Welcome to Nutrition Grad Guide. I'm your host, Shana Sapi, a qualified nutritionist and multi-passionate entrepreneur. I created this podcast to help nutrition grads just like you navigate your way into a career and a life that you love. In each episode, I'm going to bring you interviews with experts in the nutrition and health field, exploring a range of different career pathways. We'll learn about what they do, how they got there, and their advice to help you grow a successful career as a nutritionist or a natural health professional. Thank you for tuning in. Today's guest on the podcast is Sarah Appleford, who's a qualified nutritionist working one-on-one in clinical practice. Along with this, Sarah is also the founder of Natural Health Resources, which is an incredible website that provides practitioners with handouts ready-made for them and available to purchase. This makes our jobs easier as practitioners and allows us to offer that extra resource to our clients while saving us the time of having to create it ourselves. I'm so excited to chat to you today, Sarah. So thank you for being here. And I'm really looking forward to diving into the different aspects of your businesses. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm really excited to um, have a chat and um, I guess engage some of your listeners today. Yeah, it's my absolute pleasure. Let's get into it by talking a little bit about how you got started on the nutrition path. What got you interested? Yeah, sure. Like uh, lots of students who um, go into natural health, um, I guess I did have a bit of a health background. Um, You know, I was a kid growing up that was really healthy in primary school. You know, I was the one that had sort of carrot and celery sticks as snacks and always envied those that had a muesli bar or a packet of chips. Um, You know, my mum made really good whole foods we grew up on a little farm so I kind of had a really good upbringing in that regard Mm -hmm. Um, but then come high school when I got a little bit more independence I also had a few sporting injuries sorry so I sort of slowed down in regards to physical activity Um, our school had like a canteen that was kind of like 7-Eleven, you know, just with things that I'd never really been um, exposed to. Yeah. And um, I just, I, I put on a lot of weight. I hit puberty. I was sort of low self-esteem kind of kid. Um, and my health really de- deteriorated. I got tonsillitis all the time. I had glandular fever. Um, I just didn't have a great um, body image either, mental health. Um, So my background kind of was a little bit sketchy in that regard with health and wellbeing. Um, And it wasn't until uh, my early 20s when I actually had my tonsils out and I got off antibiotics and penicillin uh, that I started losing weight again and really kind of appreciating what good health felt like. Yeah. and I then started, you know, getting back into exercise a lot more and just had more of an interest about what I was doing with my body and putting in my body. Um, and I worked uh, full time in the design industry at the time. And, you know, there was a lot of partying. I, I did hospitality, you know, all that sort of stuff as you do when you're young. Um But I just sort of started thinking there's got to be a little bit more to life and um, I just wanted to explore uh, nutrition a little bit more. Um, And then I was pregnant and thought it would be a fantastic idea to take on a degree (laughs) and and enrolled at Endeavour College. 
um, in nutrition. And I sort of, I studied part-time while working full-time and um, going through my pregnancy. Um, (laughs) And yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty full on. You know, when when I started it, I probably didn't understand how full-on the course was. And I think this happens to a lot. I don't know about you, but... um, you know, just when you delve into all those science subjects in your chemistry and you realise we're not just talking about macronutrients anymore and, you know, pretty whole food bowls and smoothies anymore. Like we're, we're really diving deep. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it was kind of a bit of a wake-up call, I think, sort of halfway through my first year, but I loved it. So it was, you know, no going back really. Yeah. That's great. And that passion would have got you through all like juggling all those different things. Yeah. So it took me a long time. Like the course I did uh, over seven years, which is really long. But in that time I had a child, I worked full time. We moved cities. We traveled around the world for a year. Um, And I only did a couple of subjects while I was traveling. Um, But, you know, we kind of, I drew, I dragged it out quite a bit and it's the only way that I could actually get through um, into the end. Um, So it was a a very long, uh, tiring seven years, I can tell you. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) Yeah, so so I think I'm like many, many people who delve into the natural health that, you know, you, you do have, I guess, a background as a problem or some sort of connection or relationship with food or, you know, it might be a health complaint. And so for me, I guess it was that I had an unhealthy relationship with food and, um, you know, I wanted, I had a kind of a strong desire to get as healthy as I could and therefore try and, you know, educate people um, and help them get, get to where they can in terms of optimal health. Yeah. yeah, beautiful. And when you were studying, did you have any idea of what you wanted to do with the degree and where you would end up? Like, did you expect to be where you are today? Um, yes and no. I always had a clear idea that I wanted to do something with kids. Um, and so I have since I actually since the kind of the final year I've started, I'd started working with kids um, and then also I'm, I'm very much passionate about the education side of things. So um, that's kind of also come out where I am now. Uh, so, yeah, I did have a clear picture that it was definitely going to be kids-based. Um, so I, rem- I do remember subjects or topics that I was like, oh, yeah, this is not going to be, I'm not, never going to be doing cardiovascular disease or, you know, so I do remember I tuned out sometimes on topics because I was pretty clear that that's, this is the direction that I wanted to take yeah yeah brilliant and when did you finish how long ago did you wrap up uh so 2018 awesome yeah Yeah, very nice and tell us a little bit about what your day-to-day business looks like now so you're practicing one-on-one consults yeah so um I have sort of well three kind of businesses all interconnected at the moment so I'm doing um yeah, one-on-one consults, um, either face-to-face or online. So under under my name, Sarah Appleford Nutrition. Yep. Um, and I work at a uh, allied health clinic with osteos and psychs and exercise physiologists. Um, so it's a really nice dynamic 
clinic, um, which I only just joined um, around the start of COVID actually. So the start of of the year. Um, And then I have um, my other little business, Nutrition for Kids. That's um, something that I started while I was studying actually, just, you know, blogging and um, creating some recipes and just, you know, I guess exploring um, nutrition for children because I think our course at Endeavour, as kids weren't, weren't a big component of the course. Yeah. Um, so a lot of it was kind of I had to self-study on the side. Um, and then more recently, um, as you mentioned, Natural Health Resources is um, my next little project that I've been developing, um, which kind of ties in that whole education side of things my passion for um yeah teaching people how to um implement some of the changes that us us as practitioners are requiring them to do you know it's all very well for us to have this big treatment plan and but they actually need to implement it and know how to you know know what to do on a low FODMAP diet or you know know what their condition is so that's kind of an area that I'm hoping to build up um, over the next year um, and, yeah, use that to support students or graduates or even established practitioners that are not so computer savvy. Yeah, that's brilliant. And that one really ties in your design background as well. It's quite fitting, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's yeah. sort of all come a bit full circle. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then in the other aspects, I've, I've done kids' cooking classes, which... Um, are on hold at the moment um, but those sorts of workshops and things are things that I'm um, hoping to kickstart again once we're back to normal and no COVID restrictions anymore. Yeah brilliant that all sounds amazing let's dive a little deeper into each we'll start with the clinic you're, you've started working at earlier this year do you yeah. find having that room there and having that network of other allied health professionals has really been beneficial in growing your own business? Yeah, absolutely. So when I um, graduated, I actually took sort of or nearly a year to recover. To be honest, I was really depleted um, and, you know, just stressed and also wanted to um, feel like build an identity other than a student again. Um, So and have some family time, that sort of thing. Um, But in that time, I was you know, trying to build up an online side with consults. Um, But it was really evident that it was hard to do without really having a name, without having major connections. I was also new to um, Geelong. uh, So I didn't have a big network. Um, So I, before I started at this clinic, I actually um, went to a friend's gym. She had a space there and she wanted me to go um, and work there. And it was a free space and I could be in there a couple of days a week. And so I started doing that, but I quickly realised it wasn't my clientele. It wasn't sort of fitting with me. I felt, you know, I just, it just didn't feel right. Um, And then so I started um, renting a room at the Allied Health Clinic and everything just clicked. Um, 
So, you know, I'm there with like-minded practitioners. There's also cross-referral, you know, osteos, they always are recommending people to, um, you know, look after their diet um, and vice versa. You know, I can always send people to them. Um, you're also seeing lots of clients in the clinic. They may not be yours, but you're, you know, you're building a face. And I think um, that has been a really great thing for my development as a practitioner and also my confidence in being a practitioner. You know, I sort of felt like I was a bit of a fraud because I wasn't getting enough patients and I was trying to do it out in my home office and all that sort of thing, whereas I feel a bit more legit now, <laughs> which is it's a bit funny, but um, it does make a difference. Yeah be nice to have that environment to go into and yeah those fellow people to work with and even bounce ideas off and learn from so that sounds yeah. like a great thing to do yeah and at the moment I'm also doing um a couple of days reception there yeah. and um it kind of wasn't I I work um as a freelancer as well copywriting yeah. um but so I didn't really need the work, but it was another way for me to get in front of other people and be in that health space. And that has also proved really valuable. You know, I look after all their online content and their social media and their newsletters. And um, so I can promote myself through their channels as much as my own. Um, and, you know, I'm seeing their clients and introducing myself as a nutritionist. And um, it is kind of, I guess it's strategic a little bit, me working there. Um, yeah. But also it's just nice to be in that space more often. Yeah, fantastic. And you're also getting those other business skills like by doing the email marketing and engaging with their customers in that way. It's, yeah, still helping you grow and learn and um, expand your skill set while you're doing it all. Yeah, absolutely. It's, there's lots of lessons that I've learned and just even running a practice, like, you know, seeing what's involved in running a practice, um, you know, seeing uh, other people, subcontractors or room renters, all those sorts of facets that whether, you know, five years down the track I do start a practice, um, I will have had a lot of knowledge and skills just in that in that job role. So, yeah. Um, it's one one thing I kind of recommend if you can kind of move to a health space, something that's quite aligned as your bread and butter or your pocket money kind of income. Yeah, it's really valuable. Yeah, that's great advice. And you mentioned there as well that you do some freelance copywriting. Is that mostly in the health space? Um. Well, yes, at the moment. So when we decided to pack up and go traveling. Uh, for a year um, we quit our job sold everything and we just left with two backpacks and a baby so. um, it was really amazing but we were I think we were in Thailand at the time my husband was teaching English um, to kids there and I was twiddling my thumbs um, and I'm thinking what am I going to do while I've got my son Jack and we're here in Thailand uh, so I started just looking up on some freelance websites and um, started doing some copywriting jobs. Now, I started, my first job was for a um, cruise ship company oh, yeah. and I was, I was captioning images. 
and they would send me like a batch of 2,000 images from, say, a trip to Antarctica, and mm-hmm. I would have to write a caption um, using keywords for each one. Oh, so, wow. you know, I might have written 50 uh, captions about seals. <laughs> like it was crazy. And the money was really, really bad, but I was living in Thailand at the time. So, you know, you're living on nothing anyway. Yeah. Um, so it was just a way to kind of get into the freelance website. So once you're on those platforms, you develop a few testimonials and, you, you know, you can go for more jobs. Yeah. Um, and then I connected with a few clients who, you know, six years later I'm still writing for and some of them weren't in that health space. Some of them were in the design industry, um, but a lot were. So I did things for you know, personal trainers or, um, you know, yoga businesses or um, health retreats, those sorts of things. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I've got one client that is still in the design industry that I've had a relationship for a long time and another client um, that I do lots of nutrition stuff, writing content or video, you know, reviews on um, meal plan providers, all those sorts of things. Um, so, yeah, I try, I've been, this year I've been really selective of who I take on and trying to just only to do health space stuff. I, uh, I want to really prioritise now. Yeah, nice. And you mentioned that there were some platforms that you got on to start the freelance writing. If anyone was interested in picking up some freelance jobs, do you have any recommendations of where to look? Yeah, so the one that um, probably was the most successful for me was Upwork, yeah. UP Work. Um, but yeah, I guess from a word of advice for those is that you are, um, competing against people that are happy to, you know, be charging $5, $10 an hour. So yeah, it's really hard to start getting those jobs that are going to pay you $50, $60 an hour. Um, so, but with a bit of persistence, you can start building a reputation and, each job they have to give you a testimonial and you can start building a portfolio. But um, that was kind of, that was the only site that I ever used. Yeah. And then um, it it's changed a lot since I was using it in terms of how much money they take from your, your um, earnings. So if you're only earning five or $10 an hour, it's not much. Yeah. Um, yeah. So but if you can pick up a couple of really good clients on there, then, um, you know, that can grow into something really amazing like it has with one of one of our clients. Yep. Um, the, other, the other platform, I guess, is LinkedIn. You can sometimes connect with people there. Um, it's not obviously a job posting, but it's just a networking in terms of trying to market yourself as a freelance copywriter. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, but it's been a um, kind of one of those blessings because to study or to start up a business and have a job where, you know, you've got set hours that you need to go to a place um, is really a, a challenge, particularly if you have other commitments like you're a parent or, um, you know, your partner works um, strange hours or whatever it is. Um, it can be a real challenge. So if you can find a job that is flexible or online um you know it makes life so much easier yeah it absolutely would definitely 
Awesome. Um, and so tell us a little bit more about Nutrition for Kids. So do you work, well, you obviously provide um, lots of educational resources around um, keeping kids nourished and uh, yeah, the healthy snack ideas and all that sort of stuff. Do you see, um, do you have like children come in for consults or do you deal predominantly with the parents or is it a bit of a mix? Uh, yeah, mostly I deal with the parents. Yeah. Um, at the moment, I'm seeing a lot of babies, so they're not really going to be able to talk. To <laughs> you me. definitely need the parents yeah. there then. <laughs> yeah, and usually it's just, um, usually I might see the child in the first consult yeah. and um, then it's just the parent. But yeah. 90% of the time the parents find it much easier if the child doesn't come because they're just distraction-free. Um, but I find with the growth in online consults, that's been a real blessing for parents. It's just easier. Their kids can be popping up every now and then or, um, you know, or be in the background. So that's probably, um, I didn't think that they would enjoy it as much as they, uh, and embrace it as much as they have, but, um, yeah. So with nutrition for kids, I see, yeah, I obviously see, um, kids, and then that's kind of where my education side of things is. So, um, yeah, any sort of blogs, ebooks, um, the kids' cooking classes. Um, I was right at COVID time um, just starting to do some talks at childcare centres, okay. um, which, you know, just doing little topics like where does your food come from, really interactive um, talks. So cool. Um, yeah, and then at the moment I am doing um, a, a course, e-course on um, for fussy eaters. So that's kind of a real interest of mine, just that picky eating mentality, um, that whole gut kind of picture, everything sort of, um, I guess, all into fussy eating. Maybe that's because of my own background. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but that's kind of an area that I see nutrition for kids sort of going into. Amazing. Yeah, there would be such a great market for that as well, because I know there are so many mums who do struggle knowing what to feed their kids or if they are fussy eaters, it can be so hard to get all that goodness into them. Um, yeah. So yeah, something like that would be such a beneficial thing to offer. Yeah, definitely. Mm. And I guess with nutrition for kids, um, when I started it, so I was I was at uni and, um, you know, I, obviously I didn't know where my career was going to take me. But when I did start practicing, I realized, like, I started under Nutrition for Kids, but I realized it's so niche, which is great. Um, but it also meant that as a startup, as someone who hasn't really got a lot of clientele, I was automatically saying no to adults, really. Yeah. Um, and so it, that's when I had to then go, okay, what am I going to do with this little baby, this, um, this business? And how can I still see, although they're not my desired clientele, I need to get experience in the clinic and I can't really afford to turn people away just because of their age. Yeah. Um, so that's when I started practicing under my own name as well and having them kind of side by side. Yeah. Amazing. And tell us a little bit about more about the cooking classes. So when you could run them and when you're able to start running them again, um, what sort of things do they involve? Yeah, so I did that at um, my son's school. It was kind of an easy in going there because um, 
you know, I could see that there was an opportunity and my son was already enrolled. So um, I was doing term-based programs and it was a maximum of 10 kids at a time. Yeah. And yeah. They, would all, um, they would all pair up in the class and they'd be given one to two recipes each and we would talk about the types of ingredients that we're using and I'd show them you know, say if we were using buckwheat flour, for example, I'd show them what the buckwheat roots look like and um, maybe even a picture of where it comes from. Um, and then, uh, yeah, for the, for the hour and a half, we would just um, cook. This was just straight after school. Yep. We would cook and then um, they would eat and uh, they would also take, like they'd have, you know, a week's lunchbox full of, you know, snacks that they could use or scrolls or whatever it was um, yeah. that they could take home with their family. And um, they would also be building a recipe book. So each recipe went in their file. And, um, you know, it was a really, it was daunting because you've got, you know, 10 primary school kids in there. It's after school. They're all a bit energy deprived. And um, also some of them were pretty fussy. Like some had never seen very many vegetables, like didn't know what a mushroom was. And um, so their food literacy was pretty uh, low. Yeah. Um, and also some had never really had an opportunity to get in the kitchen and cook, um, whereas others had. Um, but, you know, maybe it was a really controlled environment. They couldn't crack the egg because it's too messy or those sorts of things. So um, it was full on but so rewarding just to see the changes in the kids and um, their, their whole, um, I guess, enthusiasm around food outside of the cooking class increased, um, their skills obviously increased. So it's really rewarding but... Um, from a financial point of view, from like a business point of view, it's probably not, um, you know, I wouldn't put all my eggs into uh, that side of the business, yeah. but it is something that was really rewarding for me personally. It's also a great way to get my name out there, yeah. build, build a network with the school, um, with parents in particular who are obviously my target market. Yeah. Um, and we did things like uh, one um, child that wouldn't have had the option to do after-school activities for financial reasons. We gave them a place in exchange for renting the kitchen. So that was those sorts of things were really kind of nice to be able to connect with um, probably people that wouldn't be able to maybe otherwise afford my services as a practitioner. Um, yeah, so interesting. Uh, and, I, yeah, I do hope that I can, um, one, have the opportunity and two, have the time to do it again because I think it's, um, yeah, it's part of my reasoning for going into nutrition anyway. Yeah, that sounds great. Did you find you got any clients from doing those cooking classes, like from the kids taking back those recipes and the um, snacks that they had left over to share with their family? Were there any parents that reached out to you for further help? Uh, no, not directly, but they did pass on my name to people or I also met um, one of the girls that participated in the class. She was actually a naturopath's daughter. Cool. And, uh, yeah, so I, I formed a really close connection with her and um, that sort of also um, 
I guess, had a runoff in terms of clients and that cross-referral. So, um, yeah, not directly did I see any of those kids in my clinic, but it definitely um, filtered out to the community and to their friends. And from that building, that word of mouth was really yeah. invaluable. Yeah. yeah, it definitely sounds like it was beneficial on many levels. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's... Um, that's kind of the thing that as practitioners we sort of have to think about, you know, what what other avenues can we um, get that word out there? And it is really a word of mouth kind of industry and people trust their friends, you know, oh, yeah, I saw this person or my child now eats a whole lot of veggies now because he did this cooking class. Those sorts of things are really, I guess we need to value those um, conversations and so you know, we kind of tend to focus on the mainstream ways of getting business and maybe we do have to kind of step outside and do some things that maybe don't you don't see a direct financial transfer, but, you know, that ongoing um, brand building is really important. Yeah, definitely. So important. And have you found having your own little boy has been really beneficial in helping you with nutrition for kids? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, he gets tested on with everything, even yeah. um, even supplements in my clinic. I buy things and he's like, oh, I'm not, no way am I drinking that or that smells disgusting. Like all those things are really um, great for me. He's like my guinea pig. Yeah. Um, but also, yeah, just to see his skills or ability, you know, can, can he actually cook this? Can I say that it's a kid-friendly um, recipe? Yeah. All those sorts of things is um, definitely something that um has been beneficial for me yeah amazing is he a fussy eater or is he pretty good no he's pretty good um yeah he's pretty good which I'm very thankful for actually he's probably if he's going to be fussy it's probably coming out now that I'm seeing some fussy fussiness um but yeah on the whole I can't really complain yeah you can test out some of your fussy eating tips if that does happen (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was, I've been writing my um, course program at the moment and there were things that I was like, oh yeah, I really need to implement this. This could be handy for me. And I was like, yeah, well, that's good. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) That's brilliant. Um, And so now let's dive a little bit deeper into the natural health resources. So you offer different handouts and bundles of handouts. Um, And how have you been finding that so far? So that's still relatively new. You started it, was it this year? Yeah, I only started a few months ago. So, um, yeah, I had one thing that I kind of realised when I was in clinic was that, you know, going that extra mile um, to do your own handouts really was great, one, from a patient point of view, but also from a lecturer point of view. Like they really appreciated that you went to the effort rather than just print off a biocuticals handout or you know, one from the um, Endeavour um, pile or yeah. one that they've seen being handed from student to student. So um, I'd made a lot of handouts for clinic and during clinic. Uh, yeah. It was like every patient I saw I would do two handouts for. Um, so I kind of had this collection and it had been sitting there and although I use them all the time in my clinic um, and still create more all the time um I just felt you know these are valuable and for people that don't have the time or um you know don't maybe have the computer skills um I might as well share them um and so I 
I'd been talking about it a little bit and then my husband was like, can you just get that website up and running? <laughs> so I think I spent like a weekend and I was like, yeah, well, I'll just make this website and pop them up and, you know, they're, yeah, you can um, purchase them individual um, for $10. Now they're really, they're, it's pretty affordable. That was the other thing. Like I know as every student has a budget, you know, they're, they're restricted. There's also things that you want to do like seminars and, you know, you want to buy books and go to talks and all those sorts of things. So I just wanted to make it really affordable yeah. um, and easy so people can pop on, they can choose a handout, um, pay $10 or buy a bundle and then download it and use it forever. Um, and then I had um, a lot of requests like, oh, can you do um, individual branding on them and I was like okay this is this is going to grow a little bit um, and then so I started doing bundles where you could get your own branding on them um, if you bought 10 um, and then yeah I guess I'm just seeing lots of practitioners and students sending me um, can you please make me a handout on this or other practitioners have um, been sharing me some of their old handouts that they're like, can you revive this and make it look visually pleasing? Yep. And um, so I do that for them and then I give them the handout and put them put them up on the website. Yep. Or alternatively, um, some practitioners are on like a commission-based structure. Yep. Um, so they give me the content, I do the uh, layout and put it up there and host the website. And then at the end of the month, I give them a cut of the, any sales that they've had. So yeah. I kind of see it as being quite a collaborative um, space and not just, you know, not, not just for nutrition or naturopathy, but, you know, I work with osteos that have amazing handouts, like those sorts of things. I'm kind of in the process of trying to branch out in all sorts of natural health um, or alternative medicine kind of spaces. Yeah. Um, and who knows where it will grow? I don't, I don't really know. It's kind of just something that I've just started doing and it's been a really nice um, aspect of my businesses really and a, and a good side income too. Absolutely. Yeah. Such a brilliant thing to offer and such a time saver for people who are practicing one-on-one -on -one or students who are studying and need those resources for student clinic. Um, Cause yeah, I remember like creating handouts can take so much time and yeah, when yeah. you're, if you're building your own business and seeing clients and doing all the other things it involves, it's so nice to be able to go somewhere trusted where you can just buy it and be able to use that with multiple clients. Yeah, absolutely. Plus I think um, it's one of those things that you either love doing that or you hate it and or you have the strength in it or you don't. Um, and I love creating handouts. Like it gives me a little buzz, like I'm a bit geek like that. Um, and so it's kind of something that I really enjoy, but I know lots of practitioners that could not care for it at all. Like, you know, it's for them, it's a chore. And I just think if that's part of your business, that's a chore and you can do it an affordable you have an affordable option to do it yeah. another way then why wouldn't you yeah absolutely that's fantastic um and what would you say are some of your key learnings or key skills that you've needed throughout your different businesses and roles mm, that's a good question um i guess any sort of online 
um, computer kind of skills, I think are just essential now. Um, you know, we're moving predominantly online. I mean, even the courses are now going a lot, shifting a lot online. Yeah. Um, so if you are going to kind of expand and compete in, in the industry, I think um, having those online skills, whether it's things like building a website or whether it's social media, um, are really kind of valuable. Um, and communication is probably another skill that I just don't think you can, you know, you have to have in this industry. This industry is all about personality and connection with people um, and communicating your treatment plans well. Um, so, yeah, communication and, and some sort of tech computer skills yep. is just really, it makes life easier. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. They're good ones. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. And what would you say a typical day looks like for you if there is a such thing? I know that's often a hard question, um, but how do you fit all those pieces of the different businesses in to your day or Together. your work? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I sort of structure my week. Um, I work, so I work at the reception clinic um, on a Monday and a Thursday yeah. and those days I really try and not only do the reception task but I really try and ham in as much as I can with any sort of online marketing yeah. um, whether it's for the clinic or whether it's for myself um, and then on Tuesday and Wednesday are my days that are either business building or um, freelance copywriting or any sort of um, I guess that are directly my income. Yeah. Um, I really focus on those two days. Um, and then Friday is when I do my um, face-to-face appointments at the clinic. Yeah. Um, and so, again, I really, you know, I get into that clinic by 8.30 and I'm there till 6.30 and I really try and maximise that time. Yeah. Um, so if I'm not seeing patients, I'm creating treatment plans or, um, you know, researching tests or supplements or those sorts of things I try and make it sure it's um, client focused on that day yeah um and inevitably I am working on the weekends um it's just the way it is uh so on the weekends I'm either you know researching or writing content um I'm pretty lazy on my own social media marketing um you know, I have, I prioritise other people's social media much more <laughs> than my own. Um, so the weekend sort of I'm sometimes catching up on that or, um, you know, putting a plan together for the next week. Um, so, I, you know, I find that, yes, I work nights and weekends where I can. You kind of just can't, it's hard to separate yourself really, yeah. um, especially when you have a few different facets and you are juggling maybe things that you're building like for me the online course that I'm building at the moment you know I spend a lot of the weekend doing that and you know that's not giving me any income at the moment so I just kind of have to find that time outside of my money earning time if that makes sense yeah absolutely it does um, but having said that I am pretty um I you know I'm try I try to be quite present with my son as well and quite flexible with that you know I still have to do the school pickups and drop-offs and lunches and um, play dates and all those sorts of things so that's I kind of 
have purposely structured my life to be my work life to be as flexible as I can around that yeah yeah that's so beneficial and do you have any tips to stay so organized and stay on top of multiple projects like you do Um, not really I don't think I'm that organized um no I'm a list person I write lots of lists um so you know I have the ones that are my projects list and then I have my day-to-day I pretty much you know everything goes on a list um and I have great satisfaction ticking things off um yeah to the point that I probably I even write things that I've done down so I can cross it off because it's it's nice to know that you've been productive. Um, yeah, but no, I'm, I don't really have a lot of tips, I guess. Um, prioritising is really important. Um, and as I said, I probably prioritise other people's work more than my own and that's something that I'm really trying to um, to shift. And, in fact, this month has been a real shift in that for me and um, letting go, go with some clients that, maybe are not aligned aligned with things that I want to do anymore, like my freelance clients yep. um, and just making space to develop things for my business is um, something that I've really kind of shifted in particular this month and going forward, it's going to be a priority for me. Yeah, brilliant. And what would you say your vision for your career is? I don't really know. Um <laughs> I'm not quite sure. I know that I definitely want to develop more online-based programs um, and education-based. So I definitely want to really kind of hone into that fussy eating um, area that, you know, any sort of sensitivities, those sorts of things I'm really kind of interested in. Um, And I'm I'm not even sure if I'm going to continue like long-term with um, face-to-face broad practicing like I think I just um, really want to start honing areas of um, my from the nutrition side of things honing areas in the online space Um, and then natural health resources I really hope is going to um, grow and be something that I can really foster into you know this bustling energy um, which is kind of will be a big part of my attention I think next year. Yeah, amazing. I think that'll be definitely something that grows and something so valuable. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. So, yeah, to answer your question, do I have a, I don't really have a vision for my career. I think that's part of the journey is that you're just going to, it's just going to evolve as, um, as it sort of happens naturally. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, brilliant. And what are some of the things that you would attribute your current success to? Um. I think probably my history in that I've worked in a few different industries, um, you know, from hospitality to the design industry. Um, I had a lot of experience as a business and marketing manager for a design firm um, and also as a sales rep for a high-end furniture company. And so I think there were lots of skills that I developed um, from there But then also, um, you know, freelancing, I kind of had to sort of um, back myself and um, generate an income off my own bat with very little knowledge or skills in that area. But um, that's kind of been 
it's sort of given me the confidence and as well as the skills to step outside on my own rather than work again for someone else. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess the past work experience has been kind of, it's sort of put me in a really good position in terms of running my own business. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I think also just that I've worked in industries that are really people focused, um, you know, that I've had to either sell something or market something um, or promote something. And I think, I mean, as I said, you really kind of have to do that in this industry. It's all about that connection with someone. Um, mm. So, that, yeah, I guess they're probably the past things that have really shaped where I am now. Yeah, that all sounds really good. Some great tips there. And if you could recommend one book for every listener to read, what would it be and why? Uh, so it would be Dr. Libby Weaver's Rushing Women's Syndrome. Um, the reason being, I was actually at Endeavour when I discovered this book and um, I'm not sure if you remember the lecturer Anne Digby, um, naturopath. Yeah. Um, so I was in her class. I can't remember what subject it was, but I went up to her at the end and I was in a bit of a stressed kind of time and I literally broke down. I was in tears and um, I just had become completely exhausted and stressed. And I also felt like, you know, when you're studying to do really well on an assignment or to do really well on an exam, but you don't feel like you're absorbing any of that knowledge, you know, you're yeah. studying to pass or studying to, you know, just get through. And I felt at the time, like I was like, where is this knowledge going? Like I just didn't feel like I was absorbing anything. And so I was standing at the top of <laughs> at the top of the classroom, everyone had gone, and I was just in tears. And Anne sort of went through a whole lot of stuff with me about, you know, prioritizing and about how study techniques that I could use to help absorb some of the information. And then she said, but first I want you to go and get rushing women's syndrome. Yeah. And so I was on the uh, train home and I watched Dr. Libby Weaver's TED Talk and uh, I was like, okay, I need to get this book. So I went straight and got that book. Um, and I pretty much ticked the majority of the boxes for the rushing women's uh, syndrome. Yeah. And I realised that something's got to give. Like I had to shift the way that I was um, working. Yeah. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't um, do amazingly well in every aspect of my life if I was pushing the limits. And I, at the time I was probably pushing the limits a little bit too much. Yeah. Um, so it's a book that I guess changed the way I am as a person and also as a practitioner. Um, it's one that I often recommend to the mums that I see at the clinic um, and one that has helped even my own mum because she's also um, a rushing woman. woman. Um, yeah, so that's definitely, if you haven't read it, um, it's something that you need to read as a practitioner and also as, as a person. Um, and maybe even husbands and partners should read it too. <laughs> Understand what they're dealing with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love Dr. Libby. She has some amazing stuff out there and I'm sure that book is no exception. Yeah. It's really amazing. She's, she's great. She, you should, everyone should follow her because she has yeah. lots of, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, she has some great seminars too I've been along to and yeah, so informative. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. And on that note, how important is it for you to prioritise your health and well-being, especially after reading that book, um, but being in this business of helping people and always being there to support other people's health journey, what are some things that you do for yourself? Yeah, so self-care is pretty vital in this industry. It can be incredibly draining and if you're starting your own business, it's, you know, it's hard, it's, it's taxing, it's stressful. Um, so if you're not looking after yourself, then, you know, that whole oxygen mask analogy, if you don't, you know, put your own mask on, you're never going to be out of care optimally for others. And um, you're also a really crappy role model to your clients, really, I think, if you can't prioritise. So, um, yeah, I kind of, the last sort of year has been, um, or year and a half, that's been more evident than ever with how important it is. So things like for me, prioritising sleep is like at the top of my list. Like I love my sleep. And if I don't get enough or I don't get a good quality sleep, my whole day the next day is is pretty much a write-off. So that's a priority. Um, The other thing is getting outside is a big one, Um, especially with kids as well. Like I think... It's really important, one, for them, but also for yourself. And just, you know, whether that's sitting outside with a cup of tea um, on the deck or going for a quick walk or we're lucky that we're, um, we've got a really beautiful bushland and river near us. So going there and being in the water is really kind of something that energises me. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, good food is a priority. Um, you know, sticking to your own non-negotiables and your own, I, I guess, rules and ideals is um, pretty important, but having a bit of fun as well. And, you know, being a little bit lenient with yep. what you're doing is um, really important, having that balance, I think. Yeah. yeah. But it can be, it can be, um, you know, it's, it can be an incredibly draining kind of prof- profession, and particularly if you're going to practice several days a week with clients. Um, you know, you're not just talking about their food, you're, you're hearing all their, you know, their trauma or their stress or their relationship issues or, you know, um, hearing a lot of stuff. And if you're not going to look after yourself, you're probably going to take on a lot of that as well. And, um, you know, it's, it's pretty full on. Um, and the other thing is, and during school as well, like studying, um, you know, hooking yourself up with a great counsellor or um, mentor is also really valuable. I know when I had my mini breakdown with Anne, um, I went and got a counsellor and it was the best thing that I'd done just to go and offload and get some strategies and things that I think are really important. And we're telling our patients to do these things. Yeah. So we're going to take some of our own advice. Yeah, walk our talk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, amazing. Well, this has been such a brilliant episode, but while we're wrapping up here, um, do you have any parting words of advice or wisdom for the listeners? Um, I guess something that has always been something that I've struggled with is trusting your own knowledge. Yeah. Um Everyone does absorb so much and we, we learn a lot and we have a lot of 
really valuable advice to share. And so um, trusting trusting that is pretty important. Yeah. And also just backing yourself. Like, you know, we, we can do a lot of amazing things if we really are um, interested in it and, you know, we put our mind to it. So sort of backing, backing yourself is really important and um, it's something that I've kind of the last two years have been something that I've gone, yeah, you've just got to back yourself, whether that's quitting that job that you hate to really um, focus on your business or just in clinic when you're trying to give someone a treatment plan, like do it with confidence. You can, you know, it's something that um, has a real powerful effect on whether you're going to get from A to Z or whether you're going to sit in that same place. Yeah. That is such good advice and what a brilliant way to end. Before we do fully wrap up though, where can listeners find you and your different businesses and yeah, where can they follow your amazing journey? Um, so for the handouts, naturalhealthresources.com.au is the website there. Mm-hmm. Um, and for my nutrition side of things, um, it's probably just easier to go to my website, sarahappleford.com. Um, And that has links also to Nutrition for Kids there as well. Um, And I'm on Instagram and um, Facebook under Sarah Appleford Nutrition and also Nutrition for Kids. Amazing. And I'll link to all of those in the show notes and all of the socials that I do share as well so people can find you nice and easily. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for being here today. This has been such a pleasure and I've learned so much and I'm feeling very inspired by all that you do. So thank you for sharing all of your amazing experience and knowledge with myself and the listeners today. Thanks so much for having me on. It's been great. My pleasure. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. I feel like I gained so much valuable insight and advice from it and I hope you agree. If you did enjoy this episode, please leave me a review and tell me what you think. I would love to hear your feedback. Do you know anyone else that this episode can benefit? I would be so grateful if you share it with them. That way, they too can benefit from all of the insight that we covered today. Your support means so much to me, and together we can help even more people build a career and a life that they love. Thank you for being here. Until next time, keep making your dreams a reality.